Praise the Lord. God bless you, everyone. This is Apostle Ivory Hopkins. I am extremely excited to have you to listen to our podcast messages. We are trusting that the Holy Spirit will bless you. We're going to take you into a message in just a few minutes. Amen. Where I feel that God is going to give you insight, revelation, and wisdom through the teachings that the Lord has given us to present before you. If you want to get up with us on our website, our website is pilgrimsministry.org. That's pilgrimsministry.org. It is my pleasure and my honor to bring this anointed message to you where I am preaching and teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, giving God's people insight that will strengthen their spiritual walk, build their family, and put under their feet the enemy on every level. Now sit back and enjoy this message. God bless you, my dear friend, and thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. In the early days of Evelyn and our marriage, we had gotten, we went to get married. And so at that time, we were really in love, like you don't want to believe we love, in love now. But we were just as broke and poor as we could be. So we had rented a, a little a little hotel room for that weekend. We went and did the marriage ceremony. So on our wedding night, and I want y'all to follow what I'm getting ready to say to you. On our wedding night, as, as, as Ev was getting herself together to be with me, y'all understand me, the Spirit of God said to me, get down on, take your wife and get down on your knees and pray. Now, look, folks, now, here, now this here really happened. Now, here, me and Evelyn, we were real, real young in our 20s. And so we, I, I look at her, and she comes out, she comes out of the bathroom, and I said to her, I said, Ev, babe, she said, what? I said, God said that we're supposed to get on our knees and pray. Now, how many missed those days when you were so saved that you were just naive? If God said, sweep the floor, you go, in Jesus' name, I'm sweeping. How many ever been there before? So I says to her, I pulls her down beside me. We're on our knees, and I want y'all to hear this. All of a sudden, before we ever touched her, all of a sudden, an anointing hit us in that motel room, and we started going through strong deliverance. I'm talking about puking, rip, rip, loose deliverance. Now, I know some of y'all might talk about, say it, don't take all of that, but read your Bible. Amen. You'll find out it does take that. And whatever it was, the power of God was delivering Evelyn and I from. I Listen, I don't know the depth of what God did. All I know is the fruit. I'll, I'm going to say it one more time. I don't know the depth of what God did on that honeymoon night, but I know the fruit of it. And 43 years later, we are still in there. We actually went through a very strong deliverance. And I'm going to go ahead and tell the truth and shame three demons. Our marriage was unique 45, 43 years ago because of the simple fact that because we were interracially married, even some folks and families on both sides had some issues with that. And whatever God delivered Evelyn and I from, it gave us the grace. Now, not the, we weren't perfect. We had to learn how to love each other. We had mistakes and failures like anybody else. We ain't going to get on here and perpetrate now. Come on, come on. But I maintain to tell you that God brought us through a strong, blessed, beautiful marriage. We went through interracial situations. We went through racism. We went through all of that. And here we stand today. 
a mother, a spiritual mother and father, meaning mentor. Don't nobody get new with me. Meaning mentor, not, not somebody controlling somebody's life. Meaning mentor of many all over the nation and was still holding up the bloodstained banner of Christ. But that's what we got delivered before marriage. And now we're talking about this subject. So woman of God, amen, you can lead in with your questions now. I'm good. But I wanted to make that introduction. My honeymoon night started. Started with deliverance. Then everything else followed. But it started with deliverance. That's powerful, Apostle. That's powerful. I mean, that just put like the ice cream on top of the cake. Oh, come on. Man, that's good. That's good. See, that, that lets you know when God has got his hands on something. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's powerful mm -hmm. right there, man. I got chill bumps on that. Yeah. Amen. Whoo, glory. Well, the first question, and I know a lot of my audience is curious about this because all of a sudden they thinking deliverance is something new, new age, bologna sandwiches, okay? But no, it's been around for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Read your Bible. Matthew is all the way up to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's mm -hmm. Jesus, that Jesus, 75% of his ministry was deliverance. Yes, yes. Okay, so what is deliverance? Define that. Help my audience Deliverance is the power of God through Christ Jesus, Yeshua, to bring healing and breakthrough on tripart levels of man, spirit, soul, and body. Deliverance is the anointing of God, not just casting out demons, but the power of God to break everything that the power of darkness have set in our lives, starting with sin itself and working this way through wounds and emotional wounds and working this way to demonic interests and generational curses and strongholds and repetitions. Deliverance is the children's bread in order to bring freedom and liberty to them for one reason only, to serve the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, all of thy soul, and all of thy mind. Deliverance does not wipe out other aspects of the gospel. Matter of fact, some people get all cute. I don't see no, no deliverance ministry in the Bible. Well, neither do I see faith teaching in the Bible. Neither do I see other names that you use in the Bible. Deliverance is our human frailty trying to package such a powerful and amazing grace of God. You know, Luke 4, 18, he called us to preach deliverance to the captive. So deliverance is ministering. It is prophetic. It is healing. It is the gifts. Are y'all hearing me? Deliverance is the children's bread. It is the freedom that Christ gave as he said in 1 John 3 and 8. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested to destroy the yokes of the devil. Deliverance is the power of God destroying the yokes of the devil. And by the way, deliverance is the children's bread. A sinner can get saved and get some deliverance and they hold his freedom. But if you're not intending to get saved and live right, then guess what? Deliverance doesn't work. I mean, deliverance is not something that I don't want to serve the Lord. I just want relief to do my sin. Well, you can't hold freedom that way. We are delivered through the work of the cross to serve the Savior, to, to present us before our Heavenly Father. So that's what deliverance is in a nutshell. The power of God and everything that he'd done in the cross and through 42 generations and years later. And the early church fathers actually had deliverance, not only in the first century church, 
But the early church fathers used to do something that our churches don't do. They, when a person was led to God, the early church fathers in church history, uh, the early church father did something called a rite of exorcism or a rite of healing. And they would get people to get rid of their occult bondage, but we don't do it now in church. We actually have them keep it. They, they got people to come out from their idols, and that's another thing we don't do. They got people to leave from messing around with psychics and witchcraft and soothsayers. Amen. And the Bible said, be not little children. Keep yourself from idols. The early church led them through a prayer like that, matching Acts chapter 19, while many of them that worked curious arts brought their books together and burned them and so mightily moved the word of God and prevailed. The early church brought people in salvation like that. I say this to Apostle Francesca. Apostle, one of the problems in the, today's church is, is that they're leading people to the Lord, but they're not leading them to give up and turn loose their idols, many of their practices, and many of their perversion. And that's why our marriages are getting jacked up, because we still got stuff in us left over from where we used to be, because we haven't been taught to turn it loose and let it go. The Bible declares, come out from among them and be ye separated, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. When you're talking about marriage, I, I say this boldly. When, I, when we as believers are talking about marriage, we have no reason to apologize when we are talking about a husband and a wife that has been brought together to not operate in living sin and fornication. Are you hearing me? A male and a woman living in sin and fornication. We get married by the grace of God because God is bringing us together. And me, many of us need deliverance and counseling in order to be ready for marriage itself. Now, I'm moving out the way and let you go ahead and ask some other questions. Questions. Ooh, that's it. That's it. Okay. Well, the next question: If your fiance is in need of a spiritual deliverance, what would you do? Well, first, let, let, let's talk about the ideal, and let's talk about life, keeping it real. Okay. Here goes the ideal: uh, uh, Do not become together with unbelievers. Okay. Now that's the idea. The Bible speaks about that and makes it quite clear that a believer is to marry a believer. But even Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, now I'm not trying to validate saying, hey, brother, sister, go run and get somebody not saving and you'll save them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, it talks, Paul says these words, that the believing husband sanctifies the unbelieving wife, and the believing wife sanctifies the unbelieving husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. And naturally what it was saying is the salvation of one has the power to supersede and break through the darkness in the generation of their children and also affect their mate. Now, but let's talk about you've got a fiance, someone that you're talking to. Y'all have been dating, talking, uh, making up, trying to make decisions about whether to marry or not. When you see strongholds in that individual's life and we all got them, come on now, we all come with baggage. Well, if, you're, if your mate, number one, is open to God, it is much easier to get them to come to get the help that they need. Now, when I say open to God, there are some people that are actually saved, but they don't see their need of deliverance because they have not got the revelation. So you may have to pray for them to get a revelation. They can actually love you. Um, let me make it even plainer. They can actually be the right one but they're in need of a breakthrough and deliverance. 
Now, if that person is not toxic, if that person is, is not narcissistic, but a sincere person that you care about him and she cares about you, and you see that they got an area in their life because of generational strongholds or former practices before salvation, try to talk to them. See if they will listen. And, and, and if not, try to pray and see if God will give them a revelation of it. Because the truth be told, and shame three devils, ain't none of us would get our, our deliverance if it had not been for revelation. That, that honeymoon night that we had, if I did not, if me and Evelyn did not know the Lord, nothing could have told me that, hey, break that off and just go on and uh, if you're not word of prayer, please, please, please. I'd be praying for strength. Are you hearing me? But <laughs> I thought I'd make you laugh with that. But because of our salvation, Evelyn and I had been studying Bible together at the time. We had read about deliverance together at the time and what have you, and we had given our life to the Lord. We made up our mind, nope, we're going to quit fornicating. Now, now I said it. I said it. We made up our mind to cut out the mess. We were just like you. Are you talking about keeping it real? Well, guess what? Frankly speaking, frankly speaking, when we met, we were just like anybody else. We were groping and grabbing, and one day both of us looked at each other, and we said, I am, we're taught of sin. We cannot live like this. It's horrible feeling. I know what the word of God said. And by the way, we weren't trying to psychologically get away from the truth. We were, we were fornicating and we went to, we loved the Lord and we didn't stop going to church, but we looked at each other and said, hands off. And when Evelyn said hands off, it was hands off. You got me? And so we had made up our mind that we were going to stop the fornicating that we were going to go ahead and totally commit our life to God because we didn't want to start our marriage off on the wrong track. And that's when we had stopped everything. I'm telling this whole story. I like doing that, y'all. We had stopped doing everything. So when God told me to take my wife and get down and begin to, uh, and have prayer and got deliverance, it was a part of that del deliverance before marriage that we needed. It was a part of it. Our deliverance from marriage was a conscious awareness of where of who we were really hurting in the long run, our Redeemer. We were always attracted to our flesh because flesh looked good. But me and Evelyn both looked at each other and said, and y'all know what I'm talking about, don't get new with me. We looked at each other and said, we can't keep doing it this way. We're saved. We want to live right. That's why people don't shop. It's not people call me, well, you know, I'm with my boyfriend and we're doing this and doing that. I said, I get it. I said, now what you going to do? And I tell you, if your fiance, if your future mate is, is, is sensitive to God and sensitive to where your relationship is going and sensitive, first of all, to his own commitment to God, second of all, to the commitment to, to God that you have, don't hook up with somebody that's not sensitive or, or, that, or, that, or to the God that you serve. Because when me and Evelyn made that decision, we both knew we was not living right when we were doing that. And so we both made a mutual agreement. Cut it off. Come on, somebody. Cut it off. Shut it down. Put it on lockdown. Hey, now, are you hearing me? And that's exactly what we did. And we did that because we knew that our marriage could not be based upon sexual excitement. 
I had to bond with her outside of just that sexual and uh, feeling and what have you. And we did it. And 43 years later and a whole lot of trials and tribulations, here we stand. So I would tell you, with your fiancé, let them know your values. Y'all count up your values. You don't have to be terrible people because you have to. We are human. We're just human. And y'all make that commitment. And I'm going to tell you, God is able, if you would listen, to give the help that you need. Now, we're in a few minutes, I'll tell y'all something. If you don't get delivered in certain areas in the early stage, you will take that perversion into your marriage and you will actually be operating from what you've seen in porn, what you've seen in whoremongling, and your real mate never really gets you for a long time. You have to be. That's why we need deliverance so that when we go into marriage, go into that relationship, it is not controlled and manipulated by that type of intimacy that's not biblical. And I'm just calling it what it is because we live in a society right now for us to say this kind of truth, we're supposed to be apologizing. Well, let me help y'all. I'm not apologizing about what the Bible says we're supposed to live as married couples. Go ahead, woman of God. Be ye holy. Come on. Even as he is holy. Even as he is holy. That's the word. Get the prostitutes out your bedroom. Thank you, Jesus. I said that. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be duplicating your 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 favorite uh uh, favorite porn. Come on. I was just gonna say that. No, go ahead. So (laughs) so listen, this question gonna go into what we're talking about, and I'm getting a lot of these coming across my ministry, my men. Uh, uh, chronicle cheaters and chronicle, uh, uh, what they say, I think one was, uh, oh, pornography. Mm-hmm. I said, wow. Mm-hmm. So, do, does getting married solve a person's sexual addiction to pornography, self pleasing them yourself? No, it does not. Getting married does not, uh, solve pornography nor masturbation. I'm just going to be plain and simple with it. It does not solve this. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you all a situation that I actually had. Uh, there was a, a, a well-known bishop of a large organization that had flew to Delaware for deliverance. And by the time he had flew to Delaware to us, he, had, he, he was pastoring a large church. His wife was about sick and tired of the women that he was running. And so she, at first he was like, well, his wife was in deliverance, and she, he was like, well, y'all, you can go do that. You go do your deliverance thing, honey. It's fine with me. But after a while, that running out that he did caused a serious problem in the family. Now, some I'm not going to share because it's, it, it gets too personal. But let me say this. It caused such a serious problem that she ended up catching what he was doing, and she told him, you need counseling and you need deliverance. So, long story short, you, y'all are going to love this wisdom. He comes to Delaware. For us to minister with him and uh, take time to counsel and deliverance. Well, we were we were deep into the counseling and deliverance, and then all of a sudden, as I was ministering to him in the area of deep wounds, he looked he looked out off into the air, almost like he was thinking one place. You ever had a person do that? And he said, "You know, apostle." And this is what I write in my book called "Sexual Imprinting." Sexual imprinting is where something is done that is that is twisted. You know it's wrong, but somehow you repeat a performance that seems to be a part of your culture, surroundings, and family. Listen at this apostle. He said to me, now here we are. I'm trying to find out the root cause as to why this demon was able to use him, preach like a balls of fire, 
but yet fornicate and been in pornography throughout his whole life. He had had that. So all of a sudden, he stops and he looks up into the air and he says, I remember my daddy. And the Holy Ghost said, do not say a thing now. He said, I remember my daddy. When I was five years old, he said, my daddy could preach. He said it just like that. I remember my daddy. He said, my daddy could preach. He could really preach. And I'm going like, and the Holy Spirit said, don't say nothing because he's in a place right now. He said, I remember at five years old, I went in my mom and daddy's bedroom and I took my hand and I was running between the mattress. I was just running it between the mattress. And he said, I, I found this book of pornography. And it was, it, was, it was all kinds of stuff in that book, all kinds of stuff. He said, you know, my daddy could really preach. And I'm sitting here going like, Holy Spirit, what? Wait, what? I said, now here we equate it. So he watches growing up as a kid, a father that was into pornography, and he matched it, that could preach like a balls of fire. Tie the house up. Preach the barn doors off. But he would also womanize. And that generational curse and imprinting, that, that was a part of him that knowed it was wrong. But it opened that door. When all of a sudden, when he finished saying that, I began to look at him and I stopped and he, he started breaking down crying. And he said, ever since I was young, he said, I fought this thing. He said, I saw my father do the same thing. He said, and I said to him, I said, the gateway, the door opening was the pornography at five and your father's actions. Now he's blamed for his own actions. Don't nobody turn around and blame it on daddy or mama. Come on now. I got to pull that one quick before you use it as an excuse. But it had caused him to get sexually imprinted in his emotions, in his processing and thinking, in his moral compass. Are you hearing me? And the demons got in there. And when I started praying for him, that demon come up fussing, cussing, and fighting. It was on. And we commanded those devils to come out of him, and the power of God set him free. And that husband and wife today are both in ministry still, and he ain't with nobody's woman but his own. I saw the power of God break that yoke. But that stronghold of pornography and perversion went directly in his marriage. Are you hearing me? So people, I'm telling you, you have to get these strongholds broken or they will go directly in your marriage. Now the Bible says marriage is honorable and old and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. There is spirits of whoremongering or immorality that wants to get in our bedroom. Woman, oh God, woman of God, you got me farred up here. Can I, I'm going to share another one. Stop before me. I had another friend, this goes back about 30 years ago. A friend of mine got married, him and his wife got married, and he said, he said, Apostle, he said, I, he said I'm, I'm having a strange thing. He said, me and my wife, we're intimate. He said, but it seems like it's a lot of perverse things that are stirring up in me. He said, and, 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 uh, he said what in the world is going on? He said, would you pray for me, man? He said, because something ain't right. What I said, well, you're married now. I mean, you're free to love on your wife, brother. I mean, you know, I thought it was kind of like, you know. But he said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I'm talking about a lot of perversion. Has been, and he said, I have not been like this. And he said, and marriage ain't supposed to make me this way. Listen, listen, folks, listen good. So he said, Brother Ivory, pray along with me because of that thing to be broken. Now, him and I worked on a state job, so it was nowhere to go come out in Jesus' name. So I go home, Apostle McCoy, 
I'm sleeping and the Holy Ghost wakes me up and says, tell him it's the book. I, and I woke up, I sat on the edge of the bed. What? The Holy Spirit said, tell him when you see him tomorrow, it's the book. So I go back to work with him. Him and I sitting now talking and all of a sudden I said, I said, you know, you told me to pray along with you. Uh, about the, the situation that you were having, that something was interrupting with y'all's intimacy and you knew something wasn't operating right? He said, yeah. I said, the only word I feel, and I'm not always right. I don't always think God's speaking to me. So can I ask you something and you see whether it resolutes with you? He said, what, Brother Ivory? I said, the Lord told me to tell you it's the book. All of a sudden, he stopped. He said, Oh my God. And I'm looking at him. I said, what? He said, Jesus. I said, what? He said, the book for his marriage, one of his family members gave him a book that was loaded with perversion. Now they thought it was okay because they were married. So what difference did it make? That's what they thought. But that book was drawing perverted spirits that was, and the book was right over their head. In other words, over their marriage bed, that's where the book was. Now, let me tell you, like I always do when I talk about balanced deliverance, this is not always the case. I'm going to say it one more time. This is not always the case, but in their case, the strong man that penetrated their marriage bed and activated the lust in both him and his wife. By the way, don't think that this stuff that activates with certain things in your environment is happening just by itself. Remember, the Bible said, curse causeless shall not come. These books and this stuff cannot cause you to manifest unless there's something in you that fuels it. In other words, the perversion that was in that book was activating perversion that was already in him and his wife. Got rid of the book. It broke the perversion. Now I'm moving right along. Come on, woman of God. Next question. Let's do this. Wow. Let's do wow. this. Come on. Let's Amen. do this. Okay. 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 We're on number four, Apostle. <laughs> I told you I couldn't wait to get on, get here. This is it. Hey, he was excited. He was a hour early, a half an hour early. Amen. To God be the glory. So when awareness is notice, notable, noticeable on both sides of the husband and the wife, the family, there are cycles of divorce or even adultery. Uh, can you kind of uh, elaborate on that? Because yes. this is a two-part question. Then they asked well, me, how does an individual seeks to break the generation curse that impacts the marriage covenant established by God? Okay. But go ahead. First of all, Apostle. first of all, as it is in all things, recognition of patterns that are repetitious. That is what a cycle is in itself. And suspicion of it is when you have on your side of the family line and on your mate side of the family line, you can have a spirit, a marriage breaking spirit called separation and divorce. I know of one family that I knew personally, they had a stronghold, a cycle in their family line that all of the men, they were good men, faithful men, but every single brother's wife ran out on them. Every single one. It happened like right straight down the line. And the father of every single one of the brothers was a womanizer themselves. Now, in the book of Job, chapter 31, 
Job in Job 31 verses 1 and then 9 and 10, it says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? Then he goes down a little further. He says, if I have looked upon my neighbor's wife, then let mine grind unto another. Now, if you would translate that in other versions, your eyes are going to pop wide open. If you would go to Bible Hub and do Job 31 verse 1 and Job 31 verse 9 and 10, it's going to blow some of your mind. Because the adultery in a family line can open a door to repetitious actions of adultery and separation or marriage-breaking spirits. It can do that. Now, as a couple, when you realize that this is operating, I, first of all, I want to tell you something. I appreciate all of y'all that call us preachers for prayer. But, I, but my goal with y'all is to get you to know that you got authority. You two together can break that yourself. We are not going to mess around here and uh, hustle folk for money to do what they're able to do them own self. So you and your mate, if you know that they mom and them and cousin and them and Aunt Mabel and them and Uncle Willie and them, if you can trace it like that, sit down together and say, in the name of Jesus, this is real simple. In the name of Jesus, I come against spiritual strongholds that have come against our marriage and family line curses of separation and divorce, inability to communicate, communicate bound and blocked communication, hardness of heart and marriage. I'm running them off like that because, see, I wrote a book called Deliverance from Marriage-Breaking Spirits. That's on my website, Deliverance from Marriage-Breaking Spirits. So you can do this yourself. Or you can get a, another trained counselor in deliverance, like someone like myself or others, that will help work you through it. But our real goal is for you to do it yourselves. So, that, so yes, they can operate. And you can smell it as a rat. By the way, when you've got a generational curse of separation and divorce in your life, you and your mate will be looking like you're breaking up and it ain't making no sense. You go like, well, what, what, why? I don't know. Well, why, why are you acting like that? I don't know. Why, why, why are you leaving her? Oh, no. Can't make no sense out of it. Just doesn't make any sense. I, 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 my God, Lord Jesus. I actually prayed for another apostle at one time who he walked away from his entire ministry with another woman that he met in Walmart. And, 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 and it was crazy. He got in this affair, left his wife, walked away from his entire calling, and when he called his wife to talk to her now, yes, she was hurt. Yes, she was bruised. But the Holy Spirit told her, be still. This is demonic. Now, look, come on now. Look, you, you, you my God, that, that took a lot of love, a lot of patience. So the wife calls me up and says, told me the whole situation. And the Holy Spirit said, it is a demonic stronghold in him, a generational curse that has to be broken. Well, we went after it in intercession. Now, he was acting ignorant. We were binding and loosing. We were praying and believing. God broke that yoke. Now, when I get a call from him, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he calls and says, this is so-and-so. Now, I'm, I'm stepping back going like, now, I know this dude ain't going to try to step up on me because I'm calling it what it is. And it, he almost was crying like a baby. He said, Apostle, I'm back home. He said, he said thank you. He said, my wife told me how that y'all were interceding for me. He said, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I should not have done it. And he said, but it was a demonic door in me. That thing was operating. My poor wife did nothing wrong. These spirits go after you. Let me tell you something. 
I'm telling you, these demons really want to destroy our marriages. They really want to do it, and they will use whatever avenue. And generational repetition is one avenue. By the way, if you're going through this in your marriage, you need to be careful of just throwing it away. These people that say, look, God hasn't told me to divorce or give up on my marriage. They're not crazy. They're not, not, they're, they're not so pitifully pulled that they're just holding on for dear life. They realize that they're dealing with something in the enemy's camp. Okay, that next question, please. Whew. Man, oh man. Ouch. All yeah. I can say, y'all, if it don't feel good, just say ouch, you know? Because <laughs> he on point today, I'm telling you. Amen. Next question. What opinions do you care to share on the behalf of a spiritual attack towards these covenant marriages? Well, I, I, I will share this. I, I was saying it to a spiritual son and daughter yesterday. We, they, we, they came to Delaware and we went out to dinner and they were saying they were sat at the table and literally recorded me talking. It was beautiful. But I was sharing with them. I said, if it's one thing that I have learned in 43 years of marriage is that. If you have even been delivered from lust, that spirit of lust comes after what is in you. Remember, the Bible says, not that from without a man that defiles him, but that which is in. The Bible said that let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God, for God tempts no man. So recognize your stronghold. Recognize the stronghold that will make you run. Because sometimes in marriages, you can have a stronghold that every time you have a problem in marriage, you run to Sheila. Every time you have a problem in marriage, you start calling up Gail. Now, you don't have, first, you may not have a sexual thing. And by the way, anybody that's got a mate, don't play your mate and think they're ignorant and can't tell when you're forming an emotional soul tie. Now, we men, it's good for that. Oh, we were just talking. Brother, please, come on. Come on, come on. That you can, you can mess around and have such an emotional soul tie that if you keep playing games with it, after a while, you'll be sleeping with Sheila. After a while, you'll be confiding with her so much until your marriage closeness. The Bible said, then shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. And throughout any marriage, the enemy will do whatever he can to stop you from cleaving to each other. And I'm going to hit you with another on the religious side. Your pastor, your bishop, and your apostle does not take the place of your husband or wife. Now, yeah, I said it. In other words, I might be a man that gives a lot of wisdom to a lot of brothers, brothers and sisters, married couples. But at the end of the day, y'all are under each other's covering, divine covering. Y'all are submitting one towards another in the fear of God. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So never even let a preacher or your mom and them, or your family or your friend come between the covenant of your marriage because the enemy will use it to break the covenant and break y'all's knitting. Amen. 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 Wow. Well, what <laughs> do you say to an individual that who is addicted to alcohol and constantly thinking, does God want me to give up on my marriage? Now, first, first of all, the addiction to the alcohol and the combination with feeling you should give up on your marriage is saying a lot. It's saying the root of where the pain and the damage in you. Because often we, back in the day, we preachers would pre preach 
against smoking, against drinking, against that. And yeah, we were we were right in the point of talking about these things that people were doing. But here goes where we dropped the ball. We never dealt with. We were dealing with the with, with the external manifestation, not the internal root cause. So for a person with that uh, addiction to alcohol or any addiction. A person having an addiction is not a sign not to marry them, but it is a sign that in your marriage, in your relationship, if the person surrenders, if the person yields to help, if the person is transparent to you, God can break that addiction in your life. You do know, daughter, I was, a, you've heard me say it a thousand times, I was a former drug addict. Evelyn had to deal with a relapse before. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I, I, look look at me. I said it. A relapse to drugs and God's grace and counseling and deliverance and healing set me free. I haven't done drugs and drinking in many, many, many years. But Evelyn in our marriage went through a period where she had to deal with me through a brokenness, through a wound, through a disappointment. I fell back and had a relapse. Relapses are not unusual, so quit acting like there's something that can't happen. They can and do happen. Now, how you engage it makes the difference. Are you hearing me? So some, there are some people that the alcohol and the addiction is so strong that it is hard to live with them. You end up separating or you end up uh, or during their going through a divorce. And some people have actually had divorces. But there are many that have not. So the person you love, just know they come with something. And it, let me say this, Apostle, it all doesn't show up in the beginning. Ha-ha, no, 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 no. See, this is it. Somebody always looks at somebody and goes like, well, you should have seen that. You, you, the Holy Ghost should have showed you that. You don't always see it in the beginning. But you can have the grace of God to help y'all through it. God did it for me, and by the way, I do marriage counseling and what have you, and I've seen many people, God bring them through the relapses and not lose each other. So, yes, that individual that says that, uh, that is addicted to alcohol and constantly thinks God wants them to give up on their marriage, it deals with the, the low self-esteem and the self-hatred that you feel when you're addicted. Are you hearing me? Come on, we got we got to understand it's not it's not so black and white. You follow me? There are areas that we that minister to people, that minister healing and minister counseling have to understand that we need to get to the root cause of why something is going on and not just throw everybody away. Because I'm going to tell you something. The reason why the church is so shocked and knocked off of its feet because often we never preach the real gospel to them. We never preach the real gospel when Paul turns around and says, Demas have forsaken me, having loved the former world. We don't preach the real gospel when Jesus said to Satan, Simon, Simon, Satan have desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. We don't preach the real gospel when Samson was a Nazarite anointing, consecrated unto God, but he had a lust problem that was amazing. So much so he spent a night in a whorehouse and had that same grace and anointing have him carry uh, uh, the gate over top of his head and Delilah took him out but later on in his blind eyes his spiritual eyes came along and Samson reminded himself with God or David who got on the roof 
and looked up and saw Bathsheba, the king, the one who was a giant killer. So let's call it like it is, that in this walk, we have issues and God will help us through them and even judge us for them to bring us back around. Or the early church who had in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a father who had married a wife whose son was sleeping with her. And the church was quiet. And the apostle Paul rebuked the church for saying nothing. Later on, where we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. All of us deliverance ministers usually grab that verse and go, and we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. So we know how the enemy operates. That is not what that verse is talking about. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, when he said, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, he was saying to the church, the young man has repented. Now let him back in. The young man has held up to his sin. Now forgive him and restore him. That's what that verse, I challenge you to challenge what I'm saying. Are you hearing me? But that's why Paul said that. But these issues was in the church. And we run around and go, I don't know whether I want to go to church anymore because all that stuff going on. Well, get mature, grow up. Give me the next question because. Come on, <laughs> come get off the Similax milk. Please, come on. Grow up. Grow it's up. This church is, this is real lives, real people. I always say like this, put meat on people's bones. There you go. Yes. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Wow. Go. Amen. Well, this is the question here. Could an individual who is un unrepentant cause trauma within his or her marriage? Absolutely. Listen, there are some people in marriage who are actually living like Abigail did with, uh, Abigail did with Nabal. Nabal was a fool. The Bible said he was such a son of an isle that no man could tell him nothing. This was actually a woman. Now, and some of, some of us will holler, she's rebellious. She's a Jezebel because she turns around and overrode her husband's choices. If she had have not overrid the foolishness of her husband, David would have wiped the whole family out. But, but the servant comes to uh, Abigail and says, you know that our master is such a son of an isle that nobody can tell him nothing. There are some of you out there right now, you have married a son of an isle, a person that you can't tell nothing. The obstinate, it happens. I'm, I'm sorry, but you got to call them like it is. I talk to people like that. Do you know in my counseling, listen at this, in my counseling, I actually sometimes teach people how to navigate and live with a fool. Now, I know how to leave one, pack your bags, and I'm out. But I also know that some people are in situations, uh, let's tell the truth and shame the devil. Some people are in situations where they can't just go. They can't just leave. They don't even feel led to go. Can you imagine, Abigail? God, this man is difficult, but God didn't tell me to go nowhere. Lord, this man is something else, but God didn't. Now, I'm not wishing death like happened to uh, Nabal, because y'all know Nabal ended up dying. But this woman held on, protected her home. Sometimes she had to do what it took to keep the place from being jacked up and destroyed. Sometimes, whether it be a male or a female acting this way, I better make it equal so the men don't cry. It could be a male or a female acting this way. The one that is the most sound, the most biblical, the most strong, the most humble is often the one that has to save the whole place, lest that foolish one cause the whole family to be jacked up. So, yeah, there are times there are individuals that are unrepentant, and guess what? Oh, by the way, you ain't going to get cursed because he's doing something. Uh, let me hit y'all with one. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. 
Here goes a case in point. Wifey loved the Lord. Husband done backslid. Know he got a calling on his life, but now he's cutting up like the devil. Now he's bringing in, he's bringing in Johnny Walker Red. He's bringing in Crown Royal. He's bringing in blunts. Come on. Well, some church believe blunts are okay. Blunts. Dope. <laughs> Sin. And so he's bringing all that in the house. And the woman is saying, is God going to curse me? Am, am I not going to be blessed because of that? The answer is no. God is not going to curse you because of that. There are many good brothers and sisters that are living with mates that are obstinate. They're rebellious to God. And God is not going to judge you for their actions. Now, I said it. Next question. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, does having uh, boundaries without consequences cause an individual to show an unfaithfulness to their spouse? Let, 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 say it again. Let me make sure I get what this is saying. Does having boundaries without consequences cause an individual to show unfaithfulness to their spouses? Kind of elaborate when you say boundary without consequences. Let me get a, get a clarity. Okay. So one of my audience, uh, sent that to me and i'm assuming that when you when you don't okay sit down with your spouse and say hey these are the do's and these are the don'ts okay. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. uh so those are the boundaries and then they you know they do things without conscious you know they do things and 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 just wreck up the in marriage my, in my marriage counseling that i do the hardest one that i face almost weekly is i can sit down with a couple and get clear cut rules of engagement. Actually, one will even admit what they've done, admit how they've done the person, but will not cease from repeating the same act, will not cease from doing the things that, listen, I tell people like this, if, if me and Evelyn were going through a situation and uh, I, I'll, I'll just use the fictitious name, Sheila, and I got an affair with Sheila, and me and Sheila uh, used to be talking on the phone at work, and we used to do this and that. It's going to require a rule of engagement now. It, it ain't just, you know, just my friend at the water water cooler. So, therefore, Evelyn is going to, if she's going to try to make it with me through my infidelity, that woman, unless she's crazy, she's going to have some requirements. And unless I'm quite crazy, I'm going to understand there's going to be some. And I could go real deep with this. Guess what? While you're going through that, she might not be so enthused so quick for me to jump her. And you get what I'm saying. And it doesn't mean that she's refusing me the marriage bed. It means that she's wounded so deeply. And I've seen this with a man as well. I'm going to do that because God knows when you say this stuff, it sounds like I'm trying to inspire the ladies. I know of a man whose wife had an affair with another man, and he's having a time getting healed from the wound of what she did until even though she stopped, it's taking him a while to want to touch her. Now that's called normal or normal. So these things are all in marriage, uh, woman of God. When I do marriage counseling, this is the stuff we talk about. We talk about rules of engagement. We talk about why anybody that has infidelity in their marriage and does not come back with rules of engagement is a person that is going to likely have the same thing to repeat itself and a person who does stuff to you in marriage being unfaithful and acts like nothing happened, guess what? That person is very insensitive to your feelings and they're in their own world. And that's very difficult to serve and stay with. 
But this can cause problems when there is boundaries with consequences and they tend to disregard them. Listen, if they're disregarding the boundaries, they're actually disregarding you. Let's tell the truth and shame the devil. They're actually disregarding you. I once had to counsel a celebrity, him and his wife, and, uh, and, and as we were talking, his wife was weeping because of all the time that he had embarrassed him and hurt him. And I looked at him and I said, you see that pain right there? I said, the pain that your wife is showing, you caused it. I said, you know what, bro? Had another man did that to her, you'd have broke him half in two. And apostle, tears begin to come down that man's eyes. I said, you, that's what you did. I said, you managed to do to her what you would have killed any other man for doing, for hurting her. I said, the reason why I'm saying it to you like this, bro, I said, because I want you to understand. The Bible told us, husband, love your wives that your prayers be not hindered and what have you. We men do have a responsibility. And when he realized the depth of the pain he was causing her, I said, now, really? Is she really asking too much? He's, he's asking too much for you to now stop the engagement, stop the hiding. And listen, I, I'm going to say that. You see this thing right here? This doggone thing right here? This here has been the secret place of the most unholy for many. You got you, you, you put around and put a, 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 you put a password on it to keep anybody from knowing what's happening. And what have you. Act all secret and everything. Don't you realize even the most person that got this, anybody that's with you knows something's wrong when you get all secretive about something simple like a phone. Now, I said that too. Next question. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, we almost there. One more. One more to go. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you think that, uh, do you believe that healing is important to God? And uh, kind of elaborate a little bit on that, Apostle. Well, most definitely healing is important to God because that's the, the one thing that the Lord does. He came to heal the broken heart, undo the heavy burden, and let the oppressed go free. God wants us to have in a, our, the, our need of healing, our, all of us, all of us, our need of healing is what is 90% of the bad choices we've made. Our need of healing. I'm talking about, do you know even an emotional stronghold wears down the body to the point until it can cause early death. You can be under so much stress and so much pain until you literally pine away. David said in Psalm chapter 6, matter of fact, I write about this in my book called Deliverance from Damaged Emotion. You can find that on my website. It's called Deliverance from Damaged Emotion. When I began to study how that some infirmities, not all, was connected to deep wounds of inner healing that needed to be done. God came to bring that healing. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Come on, somebody. My sorrow is brokenness of the bones. David said, all my night I water my bed because he said my eyes have grown dim, meaning eyesight was affected because of his enemy and his bones were sore vexed, meaning that he had bone trouble because of that. That's just a few of them. God wants to bring healing to us because this is one of the things that these stripes on his back were given for. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus. Girl, you're making me. Woman of God, you're making me preach up in here. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Lord have mercy. I'm trying to Ooh, not glory. look. I'm trying not to speak in tongues because it's so need about ning and about ning and about in the bosom inside of me. The tongues are going off. He comes sooner than I am. Lord God, bless your people. Lord God, let them hear the passion. Let them hear the goodness of the Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Some of the leading causes of uh, acting out, running out, and stuff it is the uh, bound and blocked affection that one is not getting, rejection and in that one is not giving. I've often talked to couples in marriage counseling where one of the mates pleads with the other, if you would just hold my hand, if you would just hold me, if you would just take time, take time with me, and what have you. And that, and they do not understand that that person, you know, and you know, somebody, oh, you all emotional. You, you, you just, now wait a minute. The bottom line is this. You wanted to hold everything when you want to get them, but now you can't hold nothing. Come on, somebody help me. You, you understand that not, we, we need that uh, emotional caring. It takes that to go on. We, even as long as Evelyn and I have been married, I still do in, small things that make her feel like she's the greatest woman on the planet. Okay, was I always like that? No. Did I learn? Yes. Are, are you hearing me? But it takes that. It takes that. It takes that. It takes that time. And often, listen, know your mate. If you know that you are married to someone that has been brought up in a place where bound and blocked affection, that person and y'all have that conversation. And, 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 and you that have that area, in other words, here, here goes how it sounds. Let me show you how it sounds in, in my counseling session. Well, Brother Hopkins, I, I come from a family that's not all touchy-touchy and don't take all that. And he, he needs a whole lot of, want you to sit down and all that stuff. Well, I go like, girlfriend, did you marry him or yourself? Because you see, if you marry yourself, then you can keep it going the same way you got going and don't even have to worry about it because you by yourself. But when you bring someone else in your life, I have learned to love my Evelyn enough to go out of my emotional comfort zone. If you really care about someone, you both will examine. If the person is one that needs affection, then they're yours, give it to them. If they are a person that, uh, that, is, that needs patience in these areas, take time for it. It's all a part of marriage. And I will say this too, having been married as long as I have, you go through different eras of time where your need will be different. The early stage is all sex and hot and do it. The middle stage, you find yourself more trying to get a balance and, and, and the family and secure. The, as you age, you begin to be more into each other's mind, into each other's future. I'm trying to be as nice as I can with what I'm saying. So in these stages, I tell some people when they come to me for marriage counseling, they go like, but we've been married this long and we're going through this. I said, isn't that wonderful? And they go, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, because now it's time to deal with it. See? It's not a bad thing. You had something packed in the suitcase. You shoved it in the closet. But guess what? We're going to bring that suitcase out, and you're going to unpack that rascal. Some of them clothes don't fit you no more. Let's throw them away. But all of them are yours. <laughs> oh, bless you. In your wow, hands. blessing, blessing, blessing. In your well, hands, woman of God. 
Amen. Well, Apostle, I mean, if you have to exit out, I mean, I, I can excuse you, but because I, I don't want to get in trouble with boss lady, because I'll be in the future. I'll be like, I, Pops, can you come on? No, nope, you went over your limit time with Apostle Francella. What, well, I would, what I would love and treasure is yes, to sir. have a word of prayer Amen. for 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 the, listen, I tell the, the people that I'm Please. counseling that are seeking a mate, I said, you got to write. Look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy that that is in love and have gone through situations and problems and all of that. And God, here we are. Evelyn and I, here we are. And I say to you now, as I'm getting ready to pray with you, I ask the spirit of the living God to heal the wounds and the brokenness and the generational strongholds and repetitions that are trying to bind and destroy your fiance or trying to keep your marriage messed up. I even pray asking God to loose them from the other woman. Lord, I pray for every individual in the sound of my voice. Lord God, bring their mate to them that belongs to them. For Lord God, there is someone out there that belongs to us. Lord God, we're not talking about manipulation, control, or witchcraft. We are talking about God bring us together like you did Isaac and Rebecca. Eleazar was like a type of the Holy Ghost. Abraham was like a type of God the Father. And he sends Eleazar to go get the bride for Isaac. And he brought her back. Lord God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, go bring the bride, the husband, go bring the family. Lord God, there are some that feel that they're never going to get married. I ask you to break that spirit of unbelief and doubt. Break that generational stronghold that nobody gets married, but everybody gets dated. Everybody can have a baby, but nobody can have a father and a mother. Bring these husband and wives together that belong to each other. Lord God, I ask you, Lord God, also break the insensitivity that operates that thing that where we're so narcissistic, where we're so controlling that we're not able to be flexible. Flexible. We're talking about who's the head of the house when after a while you won't even have a house. God, help us to put above the importance, put above as important our marriage, our God, our family. Lord God, the enemy is trying to destroy the family nowadays. God, we're just asking you to build it. And, we, and Lord God, help us to submit to the creative work of our creator. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. My dear friends, I do say this, that if you're in a situation where you need deliverance or counseling, amen, or marriage counseling, you can go to our website at pilgrimsministry.org. We do that. There is a fee for my time, and ain't no joke about that, Amen. But you can go to our website at pilgrimsministry.org, and we do do marriage counseling, and we also do deliverance and counseling, amen, whether it's single or individual. Well, look, and it's all online. I do want to make that clear. Daughter, it has been a blessing being with you. My God, you know, I'll be back again. Mama ain't going to cut us off, okay? <laughs> I'll be back again. Yes. I will be amen. back again with you for sure, all righty? Amen. Well, I thank you, Apostle. Uh, uh, I, I thank you, Papa, because, I mean, you you brought it. You brought the fire. You came off the porch. I mean, matter of fact, you just jumped off the steps. <laughs> Missed the dog off the steps, okay? Uh, you remember them days? Yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. Jump. yeah. <laughs> Missed two and three, done jumped right down to one. Come on now. And got, in, and got into the fight. I mean, like, dang. <laughs> all right. Well, I thank God. You're I welcome. thank God I'm on the winning team, and I also thank God that I'm connected to you apostle as well I, I well praise god i trust that you enjoyed that message well look my dear friend this is apostle hopkins amen and i'm getting ready to get on up out of here 
Look, if you want to sow a donation and bless us, you can do it on our website at pilgrimsministry.org. That's pilgrimsministry.org. Or you can go to our cash app and make a cash app donation to General Ivory Hopkins. It's just simply General Ivory Hopkins. It has been my pleasure, amen, to bring to you the things pertaining to kingdom, life, and family. So I trust these podcasts blesses you, and I'm going to catch you guys in another teaching. God bless. Bye-bye.